We heard about David Kaufman a couple of weeks ago. It was a man from Peekskill who pled guilty in federal court for harassing, threatening several women. And he was also classified as an incel. Does he self-identify as an incel? That's a good I believe question. he does, right? I think he does, but... That's a good question. I think he does. It was also interesting how the government is using the term in the way it's describing the case or even the title of the article of the case. You know, they say incel or involuntary celibate. So I guess, is it a slang term? Because if it is, it's interesting that slang is becoming more common practice and even the government is using it in like federal court cases. What do you mean by slang? What do you mean by slang term? So I guess incel is... So no, I guess incel is not slang because it's a portmanteau, right? Of involuntary celibate. Right. Do they use portmanteaus in... Yeah, I mean, they. it's fe- weird because like when you watch like those like crime procedural shows, they, they definitely do. No, but do they use it in like federal documents? Clearly they do. I mean, this is a thing that people identify as, so I would assume that they would use it. So yeah, it says that Kaufman identifies himself as an incel. It's interesting how incel is defined in this article. So it says that incels believe they are entitled to sex with women and to women's bodies and they blame women for refusing to have sex with them i tend to think that the definition of an incel or or the beliefs of an incel are a little deeper than just sex with women or i don't even know that they all agree on that sort of belief right they don't all hold that belief I think the focus on sex might be exaggerated just a little bit. Yeah. But I think it's beyond that. Because it's also about relationships with women. I think their difficulty isn't necessarily sex. I think it's the relationship part. Sex is not the end goal. The end goal is to be in a loving relationship with somebody who cares for them. And sex is part of that relationship. Great. But it's beyond that. Yeah, because Kaufman seems like he's just has a lot of anger and hatred towards women. So I don't think he has a real interest in in being in a relationship with one. I mean, then again, the the anger could probably, I mean, the lack of a relationship could probably lead to some anger, but I don't know if it would really fully lead to that physical, violent type of anger, right? That, that hatred, right? And that violent, those violent thoughts towards women. I don't think that just being an incel will lead you to those thoughts. Yeah. You know, I kind of think about it as how people think about sexual assault. What makes it into the news? The guy who jumps out of the bushes and assaults a random woman, but most sexual assault happens in homes with people that you know. But it doesn't make it to the news because it's not sexy or it's not shocking enough. So David Kaufman made it to the news because his case is so shocking. But what about the other people who classify as incels? They just don't have much going on. What do you mean they don't have much going on? I think their thoughts and beliefs are not so exaggerated or not so radical that they make it into the news or the media which is essentially also how a lot of people learn about unique population or a unique group if they don't have contact with them. Like, for example, how are you going to know about the incel community unless you know somebody who classifies as them? And then you learn about incels through these various cases, and then you have it in your mind that this is what they all do. That's true. There are some people, it's not easy, right? They find themselves as unattractive or they think other people find them unattractive. And then that I think that self-esteem issue is the real cause of things. But that's 
it goes back to the fact that incel really refers to the online community, but then there are still people in everyday life who have the same issues. So what is the definition of incel, right? I mean, I think the definition of incel itself refers to the online community, but then you have these guys who are just having a really difficult time in life for many reasons. I think self-esteem is the largest reason. And I guess maybe their personal experiences with other people, right? People might find them unattractive or they might find them awkward. Although Reddit banned its incel page or group or thread or whatever it's called a few years ago, they still communicate through other forums. And we had a chance to talk to somebody who researched incels in depth. So to dig deeper on our quest to understand incels, we talked to Sarah Daly who is an assistant professor of criminology, law, and society at St. Vincent College. Thanks so much, Sarah, for joining us today. We're super excited to have you. So just want to get a little bit about your background and, uh, you know, your story a little bit. You know, how did you end up studying criminology? What was it that attracted you? And how are all of the topics in criminology you've studied interconnected? Yeah, so thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you about this. I am an assistant professor and the graduate director of criminology, law, and society at St. Vincent College in Pennsylvania. It's in Latrobe, which is about 30 miles kind of southeast of Pittsburgh. So I have a PhD in criminal justice from Rutgers University in Newark. So shout out to North Jersey. (laughs) And I have other degrees from Notre Dame and UPenn and Rutgers Camden. So I generally teach courses related to criminological theories and mass violence and race and gender, but my primary area of research is involuntary celibates. But I guess I have kind of this like long and winding and very expensive path to criminology. (laughs) I spent the first nine years of my career after undergrad as a high school Spanish teacher. So while I was teaching, I saw problems that my students faced that like shockingly couldn't be fixed by conjugating verbs. So I enrolled (laughs) in a school counseling program at Penn. And, you know, as I did my internship and my practicum, I realized that so many of my students' problems were related to the juvenile and criminal justice systems. And then these broader kind of systemic issues like poverty and violence. So I went to more school also to defer my student loans. So I initially wanted to study school fights because I was seeing them kind of fairly often. But the school where I worked, I won't name them, no shade intended. (laughs) They wouldn't let me conduct research there. So I was kind of left without a dissertation topic, which is basically every PhD student's nightmare. But then around that same time, Sandy Hook happened in 2012. And if there were kind of ever a question that needed an answer, that was it. So I spent four years studying active and mass shootings for my dissertation. And I really wanted to continue, but like psychologically and emotionally, it it wasn't great. I had a skill set and an understanding of the issue, but I felt like I was self-promoting whenever there was a serious 
shooting, you know, I would get calls to be interviewed for papers or be on the news. So I wanted to kind of switch gears and I came back to something that I had initially noticed in my data from school shootings. And it was the issue of, of gender and gender relationships. So I had found that like a lot of these shooters had problematic relationships with women and they weren't my initial reason. It wasn't related to my initial research questions. And I was just like, head down, I have to finish this dissertation. But as I kind of started exploring this, when I decided to change my focus, I fell down this rabbit hole with involuntarily celibate men. So I guess it's interconnected because it's hard to ignore the issue of gender when it comes to violence. Um, both generally speaking and then specifically related to active and mass shootings. But these notions of masculinity and violence are so ingrained in our culture that we barely notice it, we barely discuss it. But I would argue that if 96% of mass or active shootings were committed by women or by non-binary people, you know that we'd damn sure be having a conversation about gender. So I went back and I revisited and kind of learned more about the gender literature in violence and then extraordinary violence to understand how it can influence behavior. I'm always curious about people's like journeys. And one, I'm, I'm curious as to, is this something that you have ever imagined studying or doing? Is this something that you were interested in as a kid, I guess saying interested in, a, you know, in crime as a kid is, is a little <laughs> odd, but. Don't ever tell my students this, but like initially when I started an undergrad, I wanted to be a psychology major because I wanted to get into forensic psychology and do kind of like behavior analysis, FBI kind of things that all the students come in and tell me they want to major in. Like they want to be on criminal minds. And I'm like, that's not really a thing. Uh, so don't ever tell them because I spend a lot of time on doing this. But I've always been kind of really intrigued by, by behavior. And ironically, when I was in college, when I was like a junior or so, I talked to somebody about it, an advisor. And they said, well, you need to go to graduate school. And I was burned out. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to go. So that's when I switched my major to Spanish literature. <laughs> You know, but I guess ironically, you know, 11 years later in graduate school, like in my 11th year of graduate school, I just, I can't kick education at this point. You're a lifelong uh, student, huh? Very much so. <laughs> in the best and worst ways. God. So, Sarah, if you could tell us what exactly is an incel? So an incel is short for involuntary celibate. So there are a lot of different definitions out there, but essentially it is a label uh, for a self-identified person who wants to have sex or a relationship, but they can't for any number of reasons, like mental health issues, personality problems, missed milestones, like this 40-year-old virgin situation, or even just their physical appearance. Okay. And... What is the beginnings of sort of the, the incel movement? Where did the where did it begin? When, if we know who began mm -hmm. the movement of incels? Yeah, so I guess first it's important to kind of differentiate between people who fall into this category. So people who want to date and have relationships and sex but don't, right? Because that's a lot more common than this traditional notion of incel. But then there are 
people who do consider themselves incels, like these individual incels, and then kind of the broader online groups, and then also the situation of being an incel. So there's kind of like a nuanced part of this, like, I guess the language around incels, but the notion has existed, I mean, throughout time, right? Like historically in literature, we've seen stories of men that are, you know, sad that they don't have relationships or people in general. It's been mentioned throughout books and literature as long as we can remember. But the first time that it really kind of pops up in research is in the 80s. And it's interesting because this is really overlooked in a lot of the work about incels. But it was called love shyness at the time. So a psychologist, Gil Martin, kind of studied this as kind of a chronic problem among patients that he saw. Um, And then in research later, there was a study by Donnelly and her colleagues that examined, and she called them involuntary celibates, not in the current context, but in a broader context, including people who are married but not having sex, which is interesting. Um, Most people really popularly accredit incels, originally were called invicels for involuntary celibates, to a person named Alana. So they were a queer, a queer graduate student who had experienced dating and romantic problems. So they had created a forum for people in similar situations. But like over time, it morphed into something that's being viewed as like much more nefarious. You know, Alana has said that they feel like they created like a weapon and has seen what it can do, you know, the effects of it. And so these forums that, you know, People believe that they've been hijacked by kind of really hateful men. Okay. I wasn't expecting that. That, you know, I mean, for it to have been started by a a woman, I guess, not so negative intentions. So in that case, then how diverse is the incel community? Obviously, I'm assuming it's mostly men, but are there women? Are there you know, all different races, ethnicities. Yeah. So the, there are different kind of like groups within the broader kind of context of incels in, in, in media and kind of like in popular just culture discussion, people tend to associate incels as being all white men. A lot of times because it's aligned with the alt-right, which we know isn't always the case, but they're actually very surprisingly diverse. So there's one forum in particular that does a survey and they found that, you know, just around like, I think it was 54% maybe or white. And then there's also like just a breakdown, the remaining percentages are Asian men, black men. And so I think part of that we attribute to this forum in particular being an English speaking forum. So it's a little bit more Western in that sense. There are other groups other incel groups and forums that allow for women or LGBT folks to join, that they want it to be a little bit more exclusive, inclusive, and they're kind of at odds with other groups. So there's a little bit of like infighting and and drama within incel groups, but it is surprisingly diverse racially. The primary site though, does not allow women to even register to be on the site and post uh, because they believe that women and gay men can't be involuntary celibate because of just like the nature of sex and relationships. Whereas the other forum uh, is a little bit more, again, inclusive. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. 
one um, so, so you said it's racially diverse right what about in terms of age and socioeconomic status is that not as diverse so incels by and large online tend to be young right so and i i say that relative to myself so the vast majority of them are are under 30 what i think has been interesting is that the surveys that one forum has conducted over time shows a greater percentage of these younger groups, so under 18. So we're seeing kind of more teenage boys joining, which I think is concerning in a sense. They're a little bit more malleable. There is There does seem to be some frustration with older incels who are annoyed that like these young, awkward, like 15-year-olds are coming in and lamenting about their dating problems compared to like a 30-year-old that has had a lifetime of of struggles, you know, like everybody kind of struggles when they're 15. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And I think that some of the younger, and I'll say kids, are are joining and I think they're just being kind of more toxic and just kind of shitposting and being gross just because that's the nature of being a teenager too. So yeah, generally speaking, though, they're tend to, they tend to be young. It's interesting that there's a subset of incels that are referred to, and then it's a situation they call being neat, N-E-E-T, um, which is actually like a labor and statistics term, too, of being not educated, employed, or trained. So these are men who are not in school, they're not working, and they're not involved kind of in economic contributions to society. And this is not unique to Western culture. They're seeing this in Eastern Asian countries as well. In Japan, they're calling it a public health crisis, essentially uh, hikikomori. Do you have an idea of why they're not employed or not pursuing education? Is it just circumstances or is it an act of choice? It's hard because I think about this in, in broader social strokes, right? That Education is really inaccessible for a lot of people, like higher education, particularly because of the cost. And I say that as somebody who benefits from the cost of college, right? I'm employed by a college. But I think in a lot of ways, the side effects of uh, being an incel or the side effects of inceldom, like depression, anxiety, I think that those symptoms are pervasive, not just in dating and socializing, but in other areas of their lives too, like going to school and working. That those social situations for somebody who has severe, you know, body image issues or problems with their appearance is nervous to put themselves in situations that are, you know, social and highly critical of of their peers in that sense. I'm wondering how the incel community sees mental health, you know, in terms of seeing a therapist or or mental health professional psychologist. Um, Is that something that they're opposed to or is it something that they are open to? So in my interviews with incels, some have said I would love to go to a therapist. They recognize that it could be helpful because they are they are exhausted by the feelings that they experience on a daily basis, you know, the reports of the reports of depression and anxiety among these men is astronomical. Some of the ones that I've spoken to express trepidation about mental health treatment for a few reasons. The first is that uh, they just don't have access to it because we know that even in the United States, it's it's not readily available to everyone, especially without healthcare. 
uh, and insurance. Another issue is that if they go and they can't just walk into a therapist's office and say, how are you? I'm sad because I'm an incel. Uh, because the way that we have described incels and, and the way that we study them or we learn about them now links incels to terrorism. So there is, I think, a very valid concern that if they say, help me, I'm an incel, that a therapist would feel obligated to call the police or to call the authorities because they don't understand it. And then I think also with mental health treatment, there is a stigma both in the United States and around the world about uh, masculinity and mental health treatment, that men don't seek treatment for this. Research has shown over and over again that there's skepticism about if it'll even work, but also men by and large are not supposed to be upset to to express vulnerability or concern about their, their mental well-being. So I think that's related to it. But there's also a whole camp of incels that believe that their circumstances are solely related to their appearance and no therapist can fix that. So I think it falls, there's like a spectrum in in a sense, but, and I don't think there's any easy answer. You know, we can't just round up incels and take them to therapy. (laughs) Well, I guess the ones that do think that it's purely physical about mm-hmm. how they look, do they have an idea of what, their, what the solution is besides cosmetic surgery, if that's even an option for them? For some, it really is. I've interviewed incels who have undergone plastic surgery and cosmetic surgery from uh, like a rhinoplasty, a nose job to hair implants. There have been news stories and reports of men who've gone to other countries to get leg lengthening surgery because they're really short, which is really tragic because that's not kind of a generally accepted course of treatment. And you run the, a very high risk of, of being like maimed for the rest of your life because it's painful. It's awful. So for some people, this idea that physical appearance is everything, it guides all of our romantic and sexual relationships and even our success in jobs and friends and, you know, just socialization. Some use that to like free them in a sense. Well, like things are, I can't ever change this. Things are terrible. So be it. And then kind of work on accepting that. And that's kind of called this black pill notion. Whereas other people are hopeful that they'll be able to change their appearance and others still focus on maybe kind of changing don't hate the player, hate the game kind of thing and changing and going to moving to another country where the standards for men are perceived to be lower. Wow. So being an incel can be fairly expensive, right? Because. Yeah, it it seems that way. And especially knowing that a lot of the, their conditions are tied up with being not educated, employed or trained, you know, or that they're, their financial stability is impacted by depression, anxiety, autism, mental health issues. It's kind of like this cycle that they can't really get out of. Yeah. I was going to mention the autism thing because I thought about that where it just, it it reminds me of just, I mean, the, the, the social awkwardness that not all, but some people on the spectrum have and just the severity of it. So how are their interactions with people in general? not just women, like, do they have issues overall with interacting with other people? 
with yeah, any so type of relationship. I'm thinking of one person in particular that I did interview and he said that, you know, he didn't realize that he was autistic. He wasn't diagnosed until later in his life. And like in hindsight, he said like this affected, you know, all of my interactions beforehand. I'm very intense when I talk and, you know, I don't really read other people's cues. And so I think that in a sense affected a lot of aspects of his life, not just romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, social awkwardness goes past, you know, even autism, like there's just, mm-hmm. like, you know, when you're younger, like, you have that teenage awkwardness at times when it comes to dating mm-hmm. and talking to people and trying to get yourself out there. And yeah. just your overall body image view. Mm-hmm. I know you had talked about that these thoughts and ideals have been around for a long time. So I'm just curious as to what is the evolution of this movement in the past without computers and the internet, how did they function? How did they network or did they just not? Yeah, I I definitely think they have existed for a long time uh, without a doubt. I mean, arguably the circumstances were different though. And I think we can look, at society, again, more broadly, because marriage was more expected of people, particularly women, who had fewer options in terms of work, education, and school. So all of these things were kind of tied up, like their stability, financial stability, and social expectations were tied up in partnership. So they may have been more inclined to settle for a man that they would not otherwise have dated if they didn't need that to succeed to move out of their parents' homes. I mean, I would also posit that like maybe 60 years ago, 100 years ago, the priesthood might have been a more enticing option, right? So for people who are socially awkward or don't have romantic success, then that's another path for you. But this was also, you know, before online dating. So generally, I think that People before the internet were were just suffering alone, especially because there wasn't as much access to mental health treatment. But the internet, you know, for better or for worse, uh, has brought together like-minded and similarly situated people. So I guess the evolution of incels, and I'm very hesitant to call it a movement, frankly, because I don't think they're that organized, but they're considered a part of the or under, I guess, the broader umbrella of the Manosphere. So it's this collection of internet groups that focus on men's issues. So they consist of men's rights activists. I've also just learned about men's rights Asians, which is an interesting subset. It also includes pickup artists and men going their own way and red pill groups. But I mean, it's it's a very like complex kind of architecture of of communities. And what's interesting is that they're kind of at odds with each other pretty often. But generally, people seem to agree that everyone within the manosphere hates incels. So there's like this even hierarchy of masculinity and dominance in this manosphere that's aiming for kind of equality and men's rights. But I think from its earliest days with Alana's forum, it evolved as groups often do into something that's like loosely bound together through these shared experiences. But there's very clear diversity of thought in some areas. They diverge on a lot of different issues. 
So it's not like they're bound together in like a white supremacist idea of we all hate, you know, anybody who's not white. They, but they do have some common themes about like, or just group behaviors where they use shared language that, you know, you kind of have to learn the, the rhetoric and they engage in conversations and kind of shocking or, or shit posty conversations that really from my own view and from the research that's out there, it separates people from like the in-group and the out-group. So the people on the inside know that this is just what we do. We say shitty things and look at all those people that are on the outside and are appalled because they don't get it. But then they also like bond or debate over current events or things that they found on the internet, which to me isn't like that different than me, like texting my friends memes or them sending me TikToks, you know, but really they, they existed on Reddit for a long time in a lot of different forums, like our incel or our incels and brain cells. But when Reddit went purging, I guess they're, they're kind of more nefarious groups and their subreddits, the incel started branching out and moving to other forums on the internet and then to internal kind of chats on discord. But I think it's interesting to watch the group, the incel groups and how they're expanding and changing and splinter groups are forming and there's factions but also incels as a social idea are evolving too with everyone else. So socially, there's this push toward using incel in broader language among non-incels or normies, as they call them, right? non-incels and sex havers, to describe what, what they think an incel is. So they're using it kind of like a slur of sorts for men who say shitty things about women or seem like they're virgins right? Like shut up you incel or that like groups have popped up on Facebook, like sounds like things an incel would say or found the incel. So incels are functioning in their own group and kind of evolving. And then mainstream society is creating their own narrative about incels. So, and they're almost on like these parallel or converge. I'm bad with geometry, but (laughs) they're kind of at odds with each other. Um, about what's happening. So it's, it's like an experiment with two separate groups all talking about the same things. And you know, about the idea of using the word incel, it just in like common language. I've heard that Mm. I've had friends who would be saying that, oh, you know, they're not super as sexually active as they would like to be. And Mm -hmm. oh, I'm, I'm an incel. And it's, it's odd, because At the same time, if you really are truly an incel, mental health professionals and law enforcement even have a certain negative view of of them. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's where that distinction comes in between the situation where you're not having sex or a relationship versus a self-identified kind of card-carrying forum posting incel. I mean, we've seen the general social surveys that like people that are kind of content with the amount of sex they're having is declining over time. So I think more people are in this situation, but when we tack an official incel label on it and put them in a group, then, then it's something nefarious. Just to go back a little bit. Why do all the other groups in the manosphere hate incels? I haven't really jumped into this because I, I, I think with the manosphere, I can only handle so much at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. You know, but 
It's too much man. You know, it really is. Um, and <laughs> men's rights activists focus on like policies and they yeah. focus on like legislation about yeah, yeah. like divorce and father's rights and alimony. And, you know, I think there are more kind of proactive, almost like alpha men. Right, who were saying, like, we demand to be treated like men and stop with this wimpification of men. And then under this same umbrella of the manosphere, you have like incels that are perceived to be like whining because girls don't like them. And so that's very contrary to like this alpha male, fuck yeah, we want our guns and (laughs) 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 right. And then like there's men going their own way who just decided they don't want anything to do with women anymore which fine like there's the door you know (laughs) but but it's actually like kind of really contrary to incels who are involuntarily kind of going their own way from women because women don't want anything to do with them so all of these are kind of under the we're concerned about men umbrella but the the root causes of it are so different and the personalities are so different that they just don't mesh. So it's just one of those things where we, like maybe as a society, as a society, have just lumped them all together. And real, I mean, obviously there are these differences in, you know. In right. Group, but, and yeah. I mean, just in, just in like conversational shorthand, it's easy for people to say like, oh, men being shitty. It's the right. manosphere. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and I think that's how it's viewed a lot of times. Okay. And I mean, there's a lot of evidence from the internet that would tell us this. But it's a lot more nuanced than that. Something in the manosphere that I've heard of is like the pickup artist. Mm-hmm. And that seems very different from incels. Yes. But catered to incels in a way? Or what? what's that about? Right. So pickup artists are a group and they've been around a long time too. In its simplest form, think about like the movie Hitch. I was just like with Will about that, Smith. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where he's like teaching Kevin James to yeah. yep. be to to be more confident and to make himself attractive to a woman that is, I think, by societal standards, like out of his league. Mm-hmm. Um, but pickup artists do it a little bit differently in that they're a bit more like manipulative about it so that it's about manipulating women into dating you instead of like improving yourself to be a person that a woman wants to date. But then it's, I mean, just again, as movements or as, as groups go, there was pickup hate or there was pickup artists who tried to do this. And then there was a group after that called PUA hate. So pickup artist hate because these men tried the tactics and they didn't work for them. Yeah. Because that doesn't work. Right. <laughs> and so pickup artistry is, is in essence designed for people like incels who have struggles, but kind of teaching them that, you know, women are inferior. You want to trick them into dating you as if we don't have agency. And then, but I think incels by and large would say, I could be the funniest, most charming, greatest guy out there. And it still doesn't matter because I'm a so it just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, there was a, a shooter who is kind of viewed as, or very closely aligned consistently with incels. Um, and he had kind of tried pickup artistry 
and then had visited pickup artist hate sites and expressed frustration that they didn't work for him. And then he killed people. You know, there's more to, I mean, obviously looks are part of choosing someone to date, but Mm -hmm. there are obviously other things that are important as well. Right. Like something else is obviously missing, not just your Mm -hmm. looks. Yeah. I have a very basic question. They ever thought about maybe going to a sex worker and just getting services or that way? Yeah. So some of them have, right. Some of the inner incels that I've interviewed have visited sex, sex workers. So they're not virgins, but they argue that it's not about sex. It's about relationships. And it's even more demeaning to pay for, or to pay for a sexual interaction, you know, and know that the, the affection is not genuine. So I think that, yeah, some do believe that some have and have utilized sex workers. Some are not financially viable, so they can't afford them. Or they're in areas where they're not accessible, right? Depending on what country you're in or what region you're in in the United States. And then others just view it as I don't even want that, right? Like I don't, right. they might view sex workers as being dirty. So they don't want kind of a woman that has been with a lot of men. So they're very picky in that sense. Or just that there's a stigma around sex work. So that's not what they're looking for. But I think at its core, most of it is the relationship piece with sex is a lesser part of it, but still important. I think that's important to know because just in in the word involuntary celibate, right? Celibate, Mm -hmm. sex, but that's just a piece of the entirety of what they're looking for is just a genuine relationship with somebody that cares for them and vice versa. Right. Which I think ultimately is what a lot of us want. Right. So it's not, I think that out of the realm of, of understanding for a lot of people, but because they say gross things or, you know, they espouse ideas that we don't agree with. We almost say like, you're not deserving of love or attention which women are not ob- obligated to give men love or attention in heterosexual relationships. But I think this is a very basic desire that at its core, we should understand. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely something we can understand. I, I, I think the only thing is that it, they're doing one of those things where, okay, they see themselves as inferior to more attractive men or men that are able to get the girl, mm-hmm. but then like they, dig themselves like deeper into this hole and then like the perception of them just doesn't help. So then it's just, it, they're still going to be seen as that person because they're mm. just bur you know, burrowing in deeper. Right. That, yeah, that it, it, it's cyclical, right? Like they have these problems, they have experienced negative consequences from them. They join the incel group. And then not only do they have their initial problems, but then they're an incel group, so nobody wants to date anybody who's an incel, but they would argue that people, that women weren't going to date them anyway. So whether or not they join the forum is irrelevant. So they might as well have some fun with their incel mates. So it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. It's like the opposite of a support group. Like, I mean, like, I don't know, like, I feel like it's, it's meant to be a support group, but then it's <laughs> like, you're just supporting, I don't know, your own like sort of negativity mm-hmm. towards life. 
Yeah. And I think what's hard about some of the forums is that if you go on a date or you do have sex or you find a girlfriend, you can't talk about it uh, and you can't brag about it. And then you're not really an incel anymore. Like you lose this identity. And then if these are the only people that you've been talking to and interacting with for months or years, are you going to risk losing all your friends for the chance to be in a relationship that probably won't work? I mean, if, if you know, anybody in our, in our like thirties or forties knows that like most dating relationships don't work. Right? So yeah. Are you willing to give up your entire social life essentially for something that has a very low chance of success? Because they would be not as forgiving if they knew that they had gone to the other side. Right. There's a, there, there used to be, I'm not sure if there still are like explicit rules that you can't brag about successes because then you're not in selling. Well, yeah, then you, so, I mean, in terms of um, how we view incels in media, we always have this perception of them of being like these angry guys, right? These guys who can't get the girl, they're, they're angsty, right? They're, they're upset about it all the time. They complain about it all the time. Is that really the case? Are they really these community of angry, introverted men or? Angry, hateful men, angry, hateful, violent. Yeah, misogynistic, racist, yeah. anti-Semitic men. That's yeah. usually like how it's it's portrayed. <laughs> so I mean, like if I go to a bar, you'd be like, "Oh, what do you do?" And I say, "I'm a criminologist." And they say, "What do you study?" And I'm like, "Oh, let's let's not do that." <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, what I've told people because I would tell people, and they acted like I was like out, like interviewing like Al Qaeda, and I'm like, <laughs> just like guys that are kind of sad like I don't know and you know it's hard because I when I first kind of stumbled into this I was on the forums I saw what they said I thought the exact same thing I associated them with the mass shooters that I had studied and just I think by sheer luck I started interviewing them okay and that really put like a very human face on it to me which I think is something that's sorely lacking in, in a lot of kind of social issues there's there's a lot of problems that if we just introduced people to others who are suffering or feeling these things, then it would make it more personal instead of this abstract notion of other people that we just don't understand. So I attribute like a lot of the notions about incels to just the way we share information in media and in news, but especially because a lot of the groups are open to the public. You might not be able to post, but you can view. Okay. And So it's very easy for people to go online and say, oh, look, they said that like this person should go shoot everybody. And then this person said that all women are cum dumpsters and then they just like share them. Right. So it's and then you share it with somebody and they say, oh, my God, like, who are these men? They're awful, which is understandable. I think that's a very reasonable reaction. But because we pick out the most shocking or the most horrifying, we cherry pick from these forums. And then we miss the other discussions that say, like, I'm so sad. I think I'm going to kill myself tomorrow because that's not fun. And that is not something that we can, like, laugh about with our friends. Um, You know, so opposition groups, some of the there are there are open opposition groups to incels that screenshot things they say and make fun of them. 
they take the worst examples from the forum, from the forum. I mean, of which there are admittedly lots because it's not great in these forums, but then they use them as examples of incels being angry and racist and misogynistic and violent and glorifying murderers. So once you see them, it's really hard to separate those conversations from the individual or the group. But I've interviewed them and there, there are clear issues of mental health concerns like depression, anxiety, autism, suicide attempts. And there are also problems of kind of the self-loathing and internalized issues of failed masculinity. So men have told me, guys think I'm gay. People think I'm gay because I'm a virgin. And like, I'm embarrassed because I'm not having sex like all these other guys are. So I think what it comes back to is this individual failure that they're not having their needs met for any number of reasons, not because anybody owes them things, but because they can't. And also that they're failing to achieve these masculine standards that we create for them because masculinity is so closely linked to sex. So for a lot of incels, it's like this issue of that circular relationship again, about like that depression and insult them. So they're incels, so they're depressed. And then the depression further fuels their insult them, right? That one reinforces the other and makes it worse. But for others, like it's just this, they understand that they're ugly. They have been told by others throughout their entire lives that they're ugly and there's nothing they can do about that. So I've met some professional mental health professionals that I've interviewed about this, who thinks that this is an issue of like body dysmorphia disorder. But at the same time, I think it's even more nuanced than that, because I think we need to be honest with ourselves. And I've done a lot of thinking about this as a woman, that there are people who are just considered like objectively unattractive, that this is not them looking in the mirror and like a hair's out of place, you know, or they have a tooth that's crooked, that these are men that go online and share photos on like hot or not sites, you know, or rape me sites. And people tell them that like they're a one or that they should kill themselves. Wow. You know, and I've, I've interviewed a man who said that he stopped going out really because when he would go out to bars, people would approach him and just tell him he's ugly. He's like, oh shit, like you are ugly. And I think that at its core, not only confirms what they probably already believe and that society hates them, but that it's not body dysmorphia, that it's, you know, outrageous to think that there's some kind of mental imbalance that is leading them to think they're uglier than they are. I think objectively, we have to say that there are people who just aren't cute, which is sad. That is sad. And people really don't like to hear that. When I tell people that, I've been called an incel apologist a decent amount. Hmm. (laughs) Why do you think people don't like it when you talk about incels as if they're normal people? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's hard because I try to think about it in the same way where people view incels as misogynistic, violent terrorists. And in the same way that like, if somebody tried to defend white supremacists to me, I'd be like, no, like, I I think I'm done listening to you. Thank you. So I, I get it in a sense, but they are personal to me now because I have this professional relationship with them. And because I've known and counseled boys and men who have felt the same ways you know, in my school counseling days, I worked with students that felt the same way. 
And just because somebody calls themselves something that's aligned with a group that they sought for support doesn't mean that I can disregard all of the experiences that they've had. You know, and I think that we we've spent a lot of time as a society talking about women and the expectations that society puts on them and how they should look or how we should look. But those same standards, we can apply them to men also. That there are perceptions about men's body issues. There's research on it. And so, you know, one example that I love to use is like, if you look at Superman from like the Christopher Reeve days versus the Henry Cavill days, expectations for men's bodies are changing. Like if you think about the most masculine dude, you know, it's like, or you could like imagine it's the rock, right? Who's like, (laughs) who's like ripped to hell. And that is an unachievable standard for the vast majority of men. Oh, Dwayne. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. (laughs) We all appreciate (laughs) the rock for all that he offers. But like, you know, in the same way that like, I'm not going to ask my boyfriend to go like work out. So he looks like the rock. Right. <laughs> but I think that all of these, if he does more power to him, I'll drive. Him to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I, we agree that like, that is a tr- most women, most people would agree that that's attractive because our expectations for men are changing. Right. If you imagine the rock walking into a, a restaurant in the 1940s, he probably would have looked like a circus freak. But, you know, these standards, and I think social media is fueling this too, that everybody's sharing photos of themselves all the time and they're posed and they're airbrushed and they're, right. they're edited, but it doesn't just apply to, to women. And I think, like I said, people don't want to hear that, especially, you know, I think, I, I fear that people will take this the wrong way, but I just think that I'm trying to be nicer and more understanding. I also think like for people who know me, it's very out of character for me because being from New Jersey, that's not really my (laughs) (laughs) go-to. Nobody from New Jersey ever said, let's be nicer. (laughs) No, we really have not ever said that. That is not something. (laughs) Doesn't hurt though. It's just not in our nature. No, like I'll still like throw pennies at somebody who cuts me off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, damn. (laughs) What? But in my research, I'll still try to be nicer. Road rage, I'll deal with that later. (laughs) What about the parents of these incels? How is their relationship with them if they are living at home? Mm. What is happening here? Yeah, I don't delve too deep because when I've interviewed, I don't push too hard because I do have kind of limitations with what I can ask about research. And I don't want to be traumatic, right? I need to leave my study participants better than I found them or at least the same, I can't do any harm. And I don't want to, right? Not just because laws, but I think that for some of them, they said they're thankful that they let their parents, that their parents let them stay at their home. You know, I've asked my mom, like, if I wanted to like live in your house until I was 28, she's like, I would have kicked you out at like 22. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, You know, so I think a lot of people view that parenting as, that type of parenting as enabling, right? That you let your son not work, stay at home, sit on a computer all day. But I think what are the other options that you you throw your child out on the street, that they're homeless? There have been stories kind of shared on the forums about like my parents kicked me out and I just left and I have nowhere to go. So my phone's going to die and I'm going to sleep in the park. 
I mean, so I think in our heads, we're, we're very firm with our like imaginary children, you know, in these, in these scenarios. But I think in reality, it's much different, but a lot of other incels that I've interviewed haven't talked about their parents. So I haven't pushed too hard. I think it's interesting that it hasn't come up. That's probably mm-hmm. a different um, segment right. of research. The, you would think that it's like very Freudian, right? Like they all like have an issue with their moms or something. But that's the thing. It may not be the case. Like some of them may not live at home with their parents. Some of them mm-hmm. might be on their own. I mean, I think every situation is different. Yeah. Kind of have, I forgot the character's name, but in Blade Runner, the robot who's like smoking. You were just like, oh. I don't know. It was just a vibe. I've just decided if I'm going to like spend my life on Zoom, I'm going to smoke cigarettes while I do it. <laughs> hey, why not? When it comes to law enforcement and media in terms of coverage of incels and incidents of violence and, you know, violence against women, are incels really that violent? Have, I mean, really, have there been that many incidents of incels committing acts of violence? I will say this based on research and based on statistics of crime and violence is that the vast majority of incels are not violent. They may say things that are reprehensible, but relatively speaking, the cases of incel violence have been relatively rare, especially when we compare it to other crimes, drunk driving, drug dealing, you know, I mean, this relative to that, they are not criminal. But there have been cases of men who claim to be incels who have either planned or carried out violence, but not all of them have been confirmed of engaged with incel comments. So in the same way that, you know, with the Orlando Pulse shooting, that that shooter claimed that he was with ISIS. I mean, I could, I could go out and claim that I'm, you know, aligned with Sesame Street tomorrow. Like, it doesn't mean I am. And some guys may also prescribe to some of the ideals but have not engaged in forums or engaged with the forums. They might've just kind of been hovering. There are kind of more, like presumably more threats that are reported that we don't know about that maybe this is law enforcement kind of catching them beforehand or mental health professionals. But that may also be because of the connection made between incels and violence, which isn't surprising because of the content. But if you saw, if you thought they were violent terrorists, because, you know, Texas Department of Public Safety told you so, and then you see somebody on Instagram that's like, fuck yeah, I'm an incel. Like you might call the police. So when we're constantly seeing this link between incels and terrorism and extremist ideology, I've heard that term used in violence, our minds immediately make that connection. I don't obviously condone the things they say because I'm an Asian woman, but I see the content as being like really reprehensible, but hearing their stories led me to think about it in a different way. And I think that that's something that law enforcement and mental health professionals need to do too. So in Canada, after this rash of violence against women committed by people who claim to be incels, there was a push to charge incels. So for a push for legislation to charge incels with domestic terrorism. You know, and I mentioned public Texas public safety, they released an unclassified report deeming incels an emerging domestic terror threat. So incels as a group are certainly on the radar for law enforcement, including kind of local and state and federal agencies. They're aware, and I think they're trying to figure out how to address these issues, but it's a lot more complex than saying these angry virgins are going to kill everybody, right? So 
domestic terrorism, even as a legal term, is a really broad umbrella, more designed to capture and classify research and devote government resources and responses through law enforcement agencies. But the definition is based on immutable characteristics like race and gender. So given the content of their forums and what some incels might be saying, I wouldn't be surprised if in the United States, incels got swept up in this because they're presumed to hate women. But mental health professionals are starting to see more cases from what I've heard. But it's hard because for incels who seek treatment or are involuntarily committed, they may not disclose that they're an incel because terrorism. So mental health professionals might be treating them for depression or suicidality or threats of violence without kind of this more nuanced understanding of the context of it. But I know that there are mental health professionals and institutions that are considering these patient issues in the broader context of incels. So I think that's a step, but we need to continue this so that the considerations, the law enforcement responses and the diagnoses and the treatments are more nuanced for people who want to help and ultimately like intervene or prevent violence, but more specifically suicide. I think we need to be approaching this as a suicide issue, not a mass violence issue. Of all the research that you've done, what is the most shocking thing you've learned? Oof. I feel like I'm a little bit like immune to reading the forums now. Most times I don't like that. And I think that's, that's probably really problematic for me, but I'm not like horrified by it anymore. <laughs> You're numb. I, I am. And I, I kind of have to be, or I wouldn't sleep at night, you know, I, I will say that there's a lot of content on there about Asian women, most often being race traitors, quote unquote. So Asian women being most likely to date outside their race. And they go back to the trope of like, nobody wants to date Asian men, including Asian women. So I try hard not to internalize that. I think the maddest I've ever gotten since I kind of like numbed it all was that they, they, Somebody posted and said that if pugs were people, they would be incels. And I got really upset about that just for my pug, Piggy. Uh, <laughs> pug's name is Piggy. Yeah. I would I would have said like a like a Chinese crested or Mexican hairless. Like that would have right. been my my pig. Yeah, <laughs> like they named they named pugs for being like wrinkly and kind of like shaped like boxes and having like bulgy eyes. That like if you prescribe like all of those characteristics to a person, it would be like a really unattractive human. <laughs> like, this is really, this is really not okay. And I, I shouldn't joke about it because they really say awful things, but I think just in in, in terms of what I've learned though, the depression is, is the most pervasive thing. And it's not really what I've learned about incels, but what I've learned about society more generally and kind of how we have made space for this group to grow and flourish because we're pushing people to the margins and then we're not helping them. And then we're condemning them. That's, That's probably more profound than I'm mad about my pug. <laughs> <laughs> you can be mad at your pug too. You can be you mad know, at I was mad on behalf of thinking. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And like, they want to yeah. legalize rape and like that stuff. I'm mad about that too. What? <laughs> what? So I can, I can figure that out. I think the other thing that has bothered me most is that some 
have advocated for the legalization of rape of women. And so I think for me personally, that moves from we're being gross on the internet to now we're talking about policies. Yeah. And I think in society now in the United States, with what we've seen with policies designed to control women, I I don't like that. But I think without kind of the past five years, I would just chalk that up to being ridiculous. But given everything we've seen, that makes me very nervous. I don't think obviously that that will ever happen. But again, I, I don't know. But I think the idea of certain groups or certain men in the group believing that they are entitled to have sex with women against their will speaks to a larger issue within the group. And I think, but then again, I think that's how we view incels. We come to view incels as being this hateful, violent, toxic group. I want to talk a bit about like why they say the things they say, what they say, like what is their lingo? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm, I've had enough experience with like 4chan and early Reddit to know, like, and see a bit of these things. But mm-hmm. I mean, for people that don't know anything about, you know, like the general lingo that incels use about themselves and other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I actually made a very extensive glossary about this. Uh, <laughs> I think the most common terms that you'll probably hear related to incels are uh, chads and stacys. So chads are attractive, sex-having alpha men, the rock, right? Stacys are the female equivalent, kind of these vapid women who chase after vapid chads, and they're all just busy fornicating with each other and making fun of incels. If you think about it on the one to 10 scale, which is not unique to incels by any stretch, But if you think about it, like on a one to 10 scale, like fours to sixes are what they call normies, like just average looking people who can probably have sex if they put in the work, you know, sevens and eights are chads and then nines and tens are giga chads. (laughs) What? Uh, Giga chads. Giga? (laughs) Giga. Oh. You know, like a gigabyte? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's Chads and Stacy's and Normies. Um, if you go on the forums and not, you'll see them reference rope as a verb. So I think I'm going to rope or I'm going to rope and that's code for suicide. Or they'll say things like the rope is calling. So there's shorthand oh. for this. So it's a way to kind of express suicidal ideations. And I think in terms of like the function of language, that's easier to say than to say, I think I'm going to kill myself tonight. Oh, yeah. You know, the finality of it, there's coded language. They are very racial and ethnic in terms of the the words that they use. So to talk about themselves, they refer to Asian incels, East Asian incels as rice cells, but not meant to be like a slur, just as an identification tool. They call Indian men, Indian incels, they call them curry cells. I knew it. I knew it. I was going to say, why not rice cells? Because we eat a lot of rice, but then. Yeah, but rice is just usually more associated with Mm -hmm. people say dumb things. Black men are not left out of this. They talk a lot about BBC theory, if you're familiar with that. 
I've had to explain to colleagues what like BBC is. And like, some of them are like priests. They're like, oh, the British Broadcasting Channel. I'm like, oh God, please don't make, like, please don't make me say big black cock to a priest because my mom will like come out here and hit me. Oh. That's how you know who does not or has just never watched porn. Like, right. (laughs) I feel like priests watch the most porn out of anybody. They probably do. I know. I know. They probably do. This line of research has led me talking to priests so much about sex. And I'm like, this is not, this is like an unintended consequence that I did not want. Um, but yeah, so, uh, they talk a lot about BBC theory and they call black chads Tyrones. (laughs) Okay. So so there's a lot of very racial and ethnic stereotypes, um, that are kind of meant to be humorous about the rice cells and curry cells, but then can be kind of demeaning to other groups. A lot of them refer to Asian women as noodle whores, which I'm a little bit confused about because I don't think noodles are just primarily limited to Asian women. Like I almost think Italian women. Everybody has noodles. Like yeah, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. All, all right. You'll see a lot about the black pill that I talked about. Right, this belief that looks matter over everything, which is in contrast to the the blue pill, which is like thinking things will be hopeful. This comes from the matrix, right? And the red pill that you're awake and now you know that you can like interact with the world appropriately. But the black pill says, science says, looks are all that matter. Do with that what you will. And they use kind of, you know, scientific studies because we do know from research, whether people want to admit it or not, that looks affect how people engage with us. More attractive people are more likely to get jobs. Taller people are more likely to, you know, promotions, have more friends. Like there's just all kinds of like benefits to being an attractive person. And there's empirical evidence and scientific research, like from social psychology and things um, and some like pseudoscience, but then they point to like studies or data that's been released by Tinder that women swipe right on men, like 5% of the time and men swipe right. Like, you know, 50% of the time. But to me, that's more of a men issue than a women issue. Yeah. It's not, it's not women's fault that men are less selective. Sorry. <laughs> they just want any. Women can right. be very selective. Yeah. Right. So that's like when, you know, when they say to me that women can go out and have sex whenever they want. And even, even if you believe that's true, I think that speaks to men's behavior more than it does women's behavior. But I've always told them in interviews, I am not here to fight with you. I'm not here to debate you. I just want to listen to what you have to say. I might disagree with it. I might scream on the inside. But my role here is not to fight with you. Because I wouldn't do that in any other area of research. You know, if I were interviewing gang members, I wouldn't be like, well, don't you think you should go out and get a job? Like, that's not, I'm not doing that. But, you know. A lot of the discussions on the forums and between incels focus on like finding evidence to prove that they're doomed without something drastic like plastic surgery. So like that leads to kind of, again, that self-fulfilling prophecy. But I think it's also reinforcing those insecurities that you're like stacking up all of these reasons why you'll never be successful. And then you, you won't. I'm trying to think if there's any other good, like, glossary terms. I already said cum dumpster once. 
That's like a real visceral one. You know, I mean, I mean that's honestly, hard to listen to. It is, but the first time I heard it, I was in high school, so that had to be like mm-hmm. early two early two thousands. But like, it's interesting because there's there's obviously like a need for something, right? Like they're not dating, they're not, and so there's this space that needs to be filled, and they fill yeah. it with interactions online with Reddit. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not hard to see how it happens. So when right. people are like scratching their heads about how incels came to be, it, it's, I'm, I'm more confused that people don't understand. Because it's just society I mean, yeah. kind of grooms certain people that way. Uh, like you said, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Right. And like, I don't know. I wrote a sentence and I copied it here. I just wrote this and I'm actually very pleased with this sentence, even though it's like, <laughs> 200 words but it says in broader (laughs) context these men are living in a society that demands masculinity of men punishes and ostracizes them if they can't achieve it makes it difficult to find help when they need it labels them a terrorist when they seek out support from a controversial group and then rewards them with infamy and notoriety when they commit mass violence so i don't think People need like advanced degrees to understand how this happens in society. You don't need to be a sociologist or a criminologist. You need to be a person with eyes who thinks about things. Ears too, right? To listen to their stories. Absolutely. Yeah. But if people can't see metaphorically how this happened, it's, it's mind boggling to me. I mean, I I mean, I feel like society tries to not see it. They try to, you know, just bypass it. I mean, we do that with a bunch of other things too. So. Right. But I think it's also very much like a cognitive dissonance issue that like we're told that it's what's on the inside that counts. So like, what do you mean? My grandma was wrong. (laughs) Grandma, (laughs) But like, you've heard the jokes, right? Like they say like beauty's what's on the inside that counts. And like somebody responds with like, that's something that ugly people say. I never been told that. (laughs) It's what's on the inside that counts. Yeah. My mom was like, nope, it's, it's, it's all you on the outside, but also I know my mom. My mom's Indian. like, go put on lipstick because you look like you're dead. Actually, you know what? Yeah, now that I think about it, my mother never said anything about it. it's. It's what's on the inside that counts, like ever. Huh? <laughs> Maybe it's a New Jersey <laughs> thing and an Indian thing. <laughs> you guys are just uh, huh. tough. Also, the other thing is, I should have noted that the term Chad comes from a meme known as Chad Thundercock. What? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I want to Google it, but I just don't want to. You've probably seen the meme before. It's like a cartoonish guy with like yellow hair and like very big muscles and a bulging crotch. I've probably seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they there's another meme where they pair up like the Chad and the Virgin or the Chad and the incel. Like it's a skinny guy, like dressed in all black yeah. with his hands in his pocket. Is there anything, Sarah, that you want the listeners to know? You know, I think we talked about all of the societal influences, but I don't want to act like there is an individual responsibility for everyone, incels and non-incels alike, to be better. We're in a time where you can like cyber harass people and you can say things and you can call people names, but we're, what I'm most concerned about is that If you have this belief that incels are extremists, they're terrorists, they're angry virgins that are going to come murder women and and rape us all. Maybe don't mess with them on the internet. 
Maybe don't poke the bear and make fun of them so that you are not the final straw in a very long history that leads them to commit violence. If you're a little bit kind of more nuanced than that, best case scenario, people are making fun of men who have been depressed and downtrodden and bullied and mocked their whole lives. So you're making fun of people with severe mental health symptoms and are on the brink or are dangerously close to suicide every day. So regardless of how you want to view incels, if we just kind of leave them alone, my God, you know, and that's what I've said to many incels at the end, you know, anything else you want to tell me. And the thing they just keep saying to me is I'm, I'm a person, I'm a human, and I just want to be treated like that. I'm not a monster. They feel like they've been treated as subhumans their whole lives. So the least we can do is not mock them on Twitter. It's not hard to do nothing. You might not like what they have to say, but let's not provoke them, number one, and let's not bully them. Because generally, if we're making fun of autistic people on Twitter, it's kind of frowned upon. That's that's insightful. Yeah. I mean, there are people that dox them and harass them and taunt them, but we're just like publicly embarrassing people for sport now because we don't like what they say. Yeah. Cancel culture, right? Well, I guess that's a little different, but yeah, I mean, I just, I kind of want to save that for like politicians. Yeah. My mom generally, like when she asks me about stuff and then I tell her, she goes, oh, blessed mother. (laughs) And then, (laughs) and like, and like, like at Christmas, my uncle was like, so what are you, what are you studying? And I told him, and then he asked, started asking me questions. And my mom's like, don't talk about this at the dinner table. And I'm like, sorry, I said, come dumpster at dinner. Oh my God. <laughs> at, at Christmas too. I mean, yeah, maybe don't say that at Christmas. I don't know. That might be. I don't know. I mean, I like throw in terms, like sometimes like somebody will like cut me off or like bump into, look at that fucking Chad. And he's like, can you stop talking like an incel? Like, <laughs> oh yeah. He's like, I need you to stop. He's like, you can't use like incel rhetoric in everyday life. Yeah, I wonder yeah. how it is to live with you. Uh, you what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just I'm now I'm just curious. No, um, I, I, <laughs> you're speechless. I try, I try to like separate this from my normal life, but I also really can't. Like, although it's weird. Like, one I did a guest lecture one time, and a student said to me, "What's been hard about you know your research with mass shootings and with incels?" And I was like. I don't know. Like I have dreams that like people are coming to kill me a couple nights a week. And like I said that and like all the students, like their eyes were like huge. And then like, I got like pity face and I was like, is that not normal? Like do other people not have that? And they were like, no. and I was like, people don't chase you and shoot you. Like an ally's not, no, no. It's like, all not right. A couple nights a week. Right. And I'm like, pardon me. Gonna go email my therapist now. <laughs> wow. I feel like, I feel like you deserve a dream catcher. In case they work. I thought you were going to say you deserve a drink. And I was going to say I agree. Well, that too. That too. <laughs> yeah. Drinking helps. <laughs> but no, I think it's more weird. Like home, Justin's used to like my bullshit. But like at work, it's worse. Like with the monks. I've had a lot of priests say to me, am I an incel? And I was like, no, like you are a voluntary oh. celibate. But let's not yeah. talk about That's- this anymore. So you've become yeah. like a monk or a priest therapist. I have. Yeah. I've had a couple of monks in my, in my classes about like gender and they're really, really interested in talking about it probably because they live in a house with a hundred dudes 
and have a lot of thoughts about it. But those are the ones that are like really interested in it. Whereas other ones are like, I don't need to listen to you. I know everything I need to know about women. (laughs) I have some of them too. I had a student ask me if he's an incel one time too. And was he? And I was like, well, I don't want to know about your set. Like, I don't want to know about you having sex. I said, but are you posting on incel forums? And he was like, no. (laughs) Do you say, do you talk about like Chad's and Stacey's? I'm like, do you have like violent fantasies? And like, no. And I'm like, then you're just a dude that doesn't get like, <laughs> exactly right. And and I think that's the yeah, that's the thing. It's you're only really an incel if you're really into this community and, and talking with other community. people. And otherwise, yeah, you're just that guy that just right. I was like, you know. go like spray some like Axe body spray and go to the bar and like yeah, you'll be fine. Girls, like if you <laughs> talk to fifty girls, you might get like five numbers. I don't know. Just, yeah, buy them um, a dress with pockets. We'll be very happy. <laughs> This was awesome. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Sarah. We learned a lot about incels. I feel like this community, I didn't know. I hardly knew anything about them besides what I was seeing in the media about, you know, the radicalized ones. Like, But talking to Sarah really opened my eyes up as to what these people what 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 the members of this community just really want people to know yeah i agree i mean the the idea that everyone is this this violent women hating misogynistic terroristic you know male supremacy that's that's not really the case for everyone it's a select few i mean obviously on the online communities you may find posts about that, right? Discussions about male supremacy and all these things, but not everybody even acts on those, right? I mean, that's just a select few people who are going to actually commit violent acts. And I think it's also part of this whole online online culture where these things are discussed in a sort of, in a, in a particular way that doesn't always mean it's serious, right? These are people venting about their own lives and their own experiences. And that just doesn't mean that everybody is going to become a violent offender. Right, right. And yeah, I mean, this doesn't mean that every guy is going to be this guy who's going to go out and rape somebody or or stalk someone. Yeah. And we're not incel apologists. And I by don't... no means at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like Sarah said, there's some members of this community who do talk about women in terms that that is unacceptable. That's horrendous. But we just wanted to learn more about the depth of this community because we are seeing it in a very one-sided way. And we're seeing the radicalized version. Right. That's what persists in the media. That's what you see on the news. I mean, honestly, these communities are very diverse. It's not just white males, right? I mean, they're all kinds of guys. And it's not even, it's not even just guys, to be honest. In terms of the incel community where, you know, where it's about male supremacy or where it's about the male being the sort of victim that, yes, it's guys. But I mean, from the beginning, like she talked about the person who actually started the incel movement, Alana, not a guy. Right. So it's it was not originally about men in general. Right. It's about people who have these particular feelings. Right. And I think one thing that is also popping up, one community. So one one community that is rising a bit is the femcel community. So female incels. 
So then maybe that's something to talk about in the future, look into a little bit more. So that, yeah, gender plays a huge role in, in the incel movement, in the incel community, but it's going a little bit beyond that now. Yeah, we see things in, um, you know, movies, television, whatever. We hear about these cases. We hear like Kaufman, right? The, one of the most recent ones. I think in his case, it's more than just him being in incel, right? He just doesn't like women. He has a hatred for women. I think that that alone does not mean you're an incel. I mean, you can be a misogynist and not be an incel and have had many, many relationships in your life. There are guys that do misogynistic things, right? That have this idea of male supremacy and they're not incels. Like Sarah said, men's rights activists. They're a different group of men. They're not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. It was a great show. We enjoyed talking to Sarah Daly. You can go to the website, check out show notes, information on incels, information on Sarah. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Subscribe. Let your friends know about Bound by the Cloak. Keep an eye out for the next episode. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts.